Welcome to The Yoga Voice, a podcast by City Yoga, School of Yoga and Health. Our guests discuss how the contemporary practice of this ancient art transforms the lives of individuals and communities in the Midwest and beyond. City Yoga has been a center for the practice of yoga and yoga teacher training since opening in 2002. Join us as we explore how yoga inspires and transforms. Welcome listeners. You are listening to the Yoga Voice podcast. Dave Sims here as your host, and it's great to have you back listening. We've been a little remiss in dropping episodes, winding down the year of 2021. So here we are back getting our rhythm going in 2022. Have a great treat for you with Dr. Richard Donnellan. He is, uh, it was a conversation I had with him last summer, actually, and he's getting ready to do a program at City Yoga starting uh, January 29th. So it'll be a three-part series on uh, specifically really for educators, people involved in the education field. Uh, more on that in a moment. But I'm excited to be able to share this conversation Richard and I had. We carried it, you know, just covered a whole breadth of topics. And he's just a, a very dynamic, amazing person. Um Incredible background. He's got a, you know, he's he's active in the ECPR, emotional connection, empowerment, and revitalization uh, technique. He's a consultant and lead trainer for the National Empowerment Center. He also serves as a power a uh, facilitator for powerful conversations on race. He lives in Indianapolis. He's a card carrying lifelong learner and educologist. Yeah. I butchered that. And he has decades of experience as a professional in the world of education community. He's been, uh, he's an ordained pastor. He's a biology teacher, public school principal. Uh, he's been a professor. He's husband, been a widower, father, nonprofit board chair. And he's education. He earned his degrees and his certification as a doctor at uh, it's, it's a PhD in educational leadership, policy, and finance from Hampton University, UMass Boston, Harvard Graduate School of Education, and University of Michigan School of Education. It's also a dream builder, life coach, Y12 SR leader, a core gift discovery master facilitator. He's a certified yoga teacher. And, you know, it just has so many skills he brings to the community. Um, really striving for re revitalization, self-realization, harmony, shared humanity. So, you know, that could go on and on. It is a very uh, dynamic person, as you'll soon hear. And the program, I'll put a little plug in, coming up uh, January 29th. It's called uh, Enhancing Resilience for Educators, Exploring Our Inner Worlds of Contemplation, Music, and Movement. And he will, in the course of these three two-hour sessions, which are free to anyone involved in education, whether it's a teacher, uh, an aspiring student teacher that's hoping to be an educator at one point, uh, building and district leaders, board members, uh, parents, guardians, you know, it's really anyone involved in education at, at really any level. And he will drive 
you know, the participants' discussions around concerns in the current world of education, and he will use his experience to really expertly facilitate these conversations on solutions born of experience and progressive thought. Each session will include an accessible, gentle movement designed to connect to the movement of energy in the participants' physical bodies and the opening of thinking processes associated with emotional and mental agility in the face of life's blessings and challenges. So that, in a nutshell, it's a free, it's actually sponsored by the Heartland Mindfulness Collective, a nonprofit bringing programs just such as this to communities in, in the Indianapolis area. So without, uh, you know, carrying on too much longer, I'll just get right into it as we move on into our conversation with Dr. Richard Donlin. All right, welcome everyone to The Yoga Voice. Dave here with my guest, Richard Donilon. Uh Richard, welcome. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. My pleasure, Dave. Also known as Dr. Dr. D. Let's 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 hear your titles here. <laughs> Dr. D. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm laughing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Dr. D is one of my names. Richard is another name that uh, I've been called because that's the way it's written. On my birth certificate, there's a story behind that name, but uh, I won't bring that in right now. And then there's a name that I use under my writing. You know, it's uh, called Inbutu Charo Kolija Enelody. Uh, and that's, uh, there's a history with that as well. It's really a name that is... Um, in honor of my wife, who is now with the ancestors. Very, very sweet. Well, welcome. It's so great to have you here. And I am excited to hear more of the story. <laughs> um, so we've got Richard here, and he's got a just an amazing background uh, from... Um, uh, hails, hailed to Indianapolis from Michigan and uh, originally from Boston area. And so I like to start off with a little background question on when did you start kind of becoming conscious of evolving these ideas around self-realization and mindfulness and, and it obviously um, how it interplays with your career as an educator and all that. Well, I would uh, go into three streams, uh, and one of them has to do with uh, athletics and martial arts uh, when I was very young, and the other one also happens when I'm very young, and that is my parents taking me to a movie where I had a chance to see uh, an actor who looked like me play a role that was one that I hadn't seen in real life, and that was a teacher of African descent in America. And um, all of my teachers were Caucasian or white, uh, and um, 
it was really great to see this. That actor was Sidney Poitier, and the first of two movies my parents took me to with him in them was, the first was Blackboard Jungle, and then the second one was, <coughs> excuse me, uh, To Sir With Love. Uh, both of those had an impact on me in terms of being a teacher. And as far as the athletics, I was never very athletic, but I did run track. And um, I also studied as a teenager uh, Kung Fu. And uh, those two things got me into thinking about my breath and the advantages that were available to me when participating in physical activities to pay attention to my breath. What wasn't doing a stellar job of it uh, in running, but more so in uh, my studies with uh, <laughs> Master, Master Chan uh, in, in Boston. Uh, he had a Walampai style Kung Fu. Uh, it's from uh, central China. And that really got me into thinking about self and energy and chi and um, as I got a little older a group of us started to uh, literally experiment with um, different eating habits uh, and after college I really got into it and started to study uh, with uh, on, on our own with uh, Michu Kuchi who was involved in um, what we called in Boston, uh, Irwan was a whole restaurant and process of, of eating. Uh, and we just extended from there. Yeah. And, the, and then the third stream would be, um, as a biology teacher, I really took to heart what I was learning about life and in particular how it applied to uh, those principles all tied to uh, human beings. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. what, what drew you towards biology? Um, I realized uh, early on uh, <clears throat> in like uh, junior high school, I think it was, um, I just had a knack for understanding what was being said. And as I grew older, I started to call it, and I do right now, I had a natural understanding of what was being discussed. When certain things were talked about, I could actually imagine it in my own body. So when it came to cells and things like that, uh, my parents, they would get me microscopes and stuff like that. I remember Christmases as a little kid, you know, playing with microscopes. And this was even before I was still in elementary school at that time, mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah, that's so funny. It gave me a flashback mm -hmm. of getting a microscope when I was probably mm -hmm. fifth grade, maybe, that had the pre-loaded little slides. Yes, yes. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> that happens. And that's, yeah, that's probably, <laughs> It's probably in storage somewhere still today. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing better than me. I don't know where mine is. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's very possible that it's gone. Okay. My mother lived in the house I grew up in until 
just shortly before she passed at 93. Yeah. yeah. So my sister's over there in Ohio helping, you know, she's been cleaning a steady, mm-hmm. steady job of, you know, cleaning, cleaning things out and, um, you know, but, uh, she was from just a generation that saved stuff. Right. And, um, so I, I appreciate that today. Yeah. Um, well, let's go, um, before we get too, too much into the stuff you're up to these days, um, you just, you just have this amazing career that I don't know nearly enough about. Mm. And, um, other than what you've shared and, uh, just for our audiences, um, Richard and I met a couple years. Well, he, I met him at my wedding. Exactly. Um, to my second wife, <laughs> and that was um, uh, about six, five and a half, six years ago. It would be in about six years in July, hmm. and um, and then we've run into each other periodically since then. And then more recently, we were in a a uh, men's group uh, discussing a lot of topics on social issues and things that are going on relevant in our society today. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've just developed a really cool friendship. So I, I appreciate you f- for being a part of my life here. And vice versa. And vice versa. This is part of my, uh, I call it my home base. You know, you become part of my home base in Indianapolis, uh, you know. Yes, yeah, you, there's Neil. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, and that's for real. Yeah. We yeah. get shout out for Neil, Neil McGuffog. He's been on the show before. What's up, <laughs> What's up Neil? <laughs> so, we've got, um, I did check your LinkedIn out. So, um, Hampton University undergrad, um, UMass Boston for your master's and PhD at University of Michigan. What, how did that that course of education unfold for you and what was things you want to talk about there? Well, um, I ended up going to Hampton because I didn't want to be drafted. And that's the truth. I decided to go to college when I was told the only way I could get out of the draft was to have a a college deferment. And um, 60s. In the 60s, okay. yeah. I was... Um, I was out of high school, and I ended up going to a prep school after high school, which helped me to increase my SAT scores. I'll, I'll give them that credit, you know, and I appreciated that. And I got a scholarship to go there, and that was helpful. And uh, I actually did that. I increased my SAT scores, and I applied to Hampton, and I got accepted. When I got to Hampton, um, I had identified myself as <clears throat> majoring in physical education. I wanted to become a physical education teacher. And uh, they gave an aptitude test. And uh, they said, no, you're not going to be a physical education teacher. You're going into biology. And, of course, I wasn't upset about that because, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I uh, didn't... Uh, I didn't push back on that, so to speak, you know, and I, I accepted it, and I was glad that they did. I was glad they did that. Um, as it worked out, you know, I had a a rocky <laughs> college experience. Uh, uh, truth be told, you know, and I'm going to tell it right now, um, 
four-year college. I finished in five years. Uh, my first year was uh, full of exploration. I'll just say that. <laughs> okay. And uh, the height of that exploration was capsulized in a conversation I had with my father when he looked at my some of my first semester grades and he noticed that I had flunked swimming. And he said, I don't get this one. <laughs> you left here knowing how to swim. How in, how in the heck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not what he said. He said, how in the heck uh, could you flunk swimming? Uh, I just kind of looked at him and I said, well, the class met on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday mornings. I was good for Tuesday and Thursday. I never made a Saturday morning. <laughs> it was eight o'clock class Saturday morning. I there was no way I could jump in a pool <laughs> after a Friday night, so I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, Hampton literally uh, turned me into. Uh, a new direction with respects to uh, what I saw possible for my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I uh, hold that place as the place that actually uh, helped me to be. Uh, one of the things I did at one point in time, I had a resume that also includes attending Harvard. And I was, I was at Harvard Graduate, uh, Graduate College of Education. And um, Somebody looked at my resume and said, oh, wow, it must be quite an advantage to have Harvard on your resume. I says, nah, not really. I said, it's an advantage to have Hampton on my resume because if it weren't for Hampton, I never would have been able to go to any of the schools I went to after that, you know, just UMass Boston, then Harvard, and then University of Michigan. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It was just a one-year uh, program at Harvard, but... Uh, just? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I never forget that graduation because my uh, my father kind of put his arm around me and said, "All right, man, okay, <laughs> you you surprised me, but okay, <laughs> this is good. This is good." Uh, I, at that time, I needed that too from him, so that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. And this started you, and you were just, did you know you were going to be a teacher? I mean, you were doing yeah. the education oh, route. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, did you have uh, sites on high school, um, college? Um, uh, either either um, middle school or high school. I was a secondary teacher. I had, was in a secondary education program. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I left Hampton and um, got a big disappointment. I did not get a job that I had. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I had a, I had applied for and actually spoke to people over the phone in Boston. Um, when I showed up, um, I could see the disappointment in their faces oh. uh, because with a last name, Donnellan, which is an Irish last name, and you know, speaking rather clearly as I did on the phone, they thought I was going to look something like them, mm-hmm. and I did not. And they ruffled a few papers on the desk and said, oh, 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 okay, we've already filled this position. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah I knew what was up. Yeah. I was angry. I was pissed. And, um, you know, I left there in a huff. And I told my parents, I'm out of here. And I was on my way to South America. 
I was going to see if I could get a job teaching at a military base in South America. I wanted to be somewhere where it was warm, and I wanted to be around people that looked like me. I figured there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of folks brown and brown, brown and black that are going to be in South America. Mm-hmm. Never got to South America because I stopped in the Virgin Islands, mm-hmm. and I stopped in the Virgin Islands just to hang out. And uh, a couple of people that had been to college with me at Hampton were in the Virgin Islands, so I stopped to hang out. And I ended up going to the Department of Education in the Virgin Islands and uh, stuck my head in the door and said, uh, you know, y'all got anything open? Mm-hmm. And they said, yes, uh, we got a position in the middle school to teach uh, general science and biology. I said, oh, okay. She says, well, it would help if we had your papers, but since we don't, it might take too long and somebody else might get the job. I said, I just so happened to have a copy of everything mm-hmm. with me. She took them, her name was Rita Martin. She took those papers, walked in the back, and in about 45 minutes, she came back out and said, uh, tomorrow we'd like you to report to Wayne Aspinall Junior High School. (laughs) And I was kind of (laughs) stunned, okay? (laughs) So I had to find a place to live. Uh, I had a little money in my pocket because I did have some jobs. I bought a little rickety used uh, Volkswagen Mm-hmm. with a sunroof. Uh, another guy at the school was kind of in the same position. We found a place overlooking beautiful Megan's Bay in Virgin Islands, and uh, we were off and running. Nice, nice. Wow. And how, uh, like, there's just an old charmed existence there, it sounds like. You know? uh, my grandmother, my mother used to tell me that, you know, they don't know how many nights they were up praying. I don't know how many nights they were up praying. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I had to tell them, I think those prayers were working. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I really do. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. they eventually told me, okay, now it's time for you to start to pray for yourself. Mm. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've, I've had, I'm sure the power of prayer mm-hmm. has been a big force in my life over the years. So the, um, so that started your teaching career and then you did some university, you've been a principal, you've been yes. a professor. I mean, yeah. um, it just sounded like, you know, I met you after your career. Yes. As, and um, for just a reminder to our listeners, the program Richard's going to be doing here at City Yoga in July has a lot to do with uh, support for educators. And um, it'll be a series. And and in your descriptions of it, it sounds like you've gleaned you gleaned a lot of experience into this, for lack of a better term, like some wisdom for educators to navigate what they'll be dealing with or are dealing with in the educational systems in America. Is it in cities? Is it? Um, it's you know where do the kind of roots of those ideas start to sprout, I guess? Um, As a principal, one very poignant experience was a superintendent, this this happened in Michigan, a superintendent that I knew asked me to uh, come and take over a uh, a, uh, elementary school that had had three principals in the course of four months. Yeah. And, and the school was a bit in, in, in disarray. Uh, 
and uh, it was a really nice school. And for some reason, they they just couldn't solidify leadership and synergy between the teachers and, and the principals. And she asked me to come in, and I did. And uh, in 45 days, uh, to the count, 45 days, uh, we turned that school around. Wow. Because when I came in, it was 45 days to the end of the school year. Mm-hmm. And um, those teachers... Um, made it clear through my experience and working with them that it is worth it to pay attention to the welfare and the well-being of your teachers. Yes, you can talk about curriculum, you can talk about other aspects of policy and things that need to be signed. All of those need to be done, but it can be done also as you pay attention to be aware of, be intentional about supporting people in terms of their own well-being. You know, um, that's the basis for this program that I have now um, through, you know, (laughs) this opportunity with you here at uh, City Yoga, been able to put together. It's been coming together slowly. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked in a school, I was... uh, an administrator of the school for adjudicated youth. Mm-hmm. And with, again, same thing, basically, you know, how are you doing? You know, what's really going on in your life? What would you like to be experiencing in your life? You know, these are things that uh, people don't typically ask uh, youth who are in the justice system. Mm-hmm. And in this instance, in Michigan, they were assigned to a particular school by judges. So they didn't really want to be there. Mm-hmm. But um, I began to work this program where I first explored with them what's, what is really happening inside of you, mm-hmm. not, you know, why you're angry or anything like that. No, just how does your body actually work? You know, what is it that happens when you eat, when you sleep? What is it that happens when you have an idea? What is it that happens when you act on an idea? Mm-hmm. You know, what's going on in, in, inside of you, you know? And we started talking about physical aspects of self, mental aspects of self, emotional aspects of self. And this is with kids. And so it struck me, hey, you know, <laughs> this can happen with adults. Fast forward, um, teaching at Jackson College in Michigan, and I'm teaching in prisons. I'm teaching college courses in prisons in Michigan, and I'm utilizing the same stuff, mm-hmm. and it's working. These are men in the men's facility that I was in and women in the women's facility that I was in who were never asked, you know, mm-hmm. what do you know about you? What do you know about how you work? You know, and again, I've been honing this over time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm excited to see it roll out. And, um, the, um, you, you hit on a, I make a lot of things in there, but before, um, I'm jumping around a little bit. That's okay. I just, I remembered a line on, um, 
on your LinkedIn profile on Power of Education or Power Inc. Yes. What was that all about? Um, well, one of the title I didn't tell you about is uh, I'm also I was a, uh, I'm an ordained uh, <laughs> pastor. I saw that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was through. Uh, our church, uh, I was an assistant pastor at that church, associate pastor at that church. I was not the lead pastor. Uh, and we had a, uh, what is called a, a nonprofit uh, community-based organization. Mm -hmm. And it was called Power Inc. And it was involved in helping people to get their lives organized in a number of different ways, you know, whether it was housing or to put themselves in a position to buy a house and things like this. And so I was a board member of, of that organization, became the chairman of that board uh, over the course of the years that I was in that uh, position. Uh, we also started a school at that church, and uh, I was on the board of that school, and uh, my wife uh, at the time uh, was a teacher there. We educated our children there from uh, preschool through the sixth grade. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's, uh, that was, power was a part of that. That school was called Genesis Christian Academy. That was uh, a part of all of what we were doing mm -hmm. uh, at that. So the two went hand in hand. We would uh, educate children, particularly our own, and then we would also work with people in the community to be of help and of service. Mm -hmm. oh, that sounds like it was really, really good work and Probably rewarding and powerful, powerful work for mm -hmm. sure. Um, I don't know if I mentioned. I think I have in the past to you, but the uh, both my parents were educators. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. His father was mainly a high school guidance counselor mm -hmm. and taught history, and my mom did um, English and mathematics. So wow, she wow. was she was smart lady. Wow. I mean, yes. She, that she did her masters in both both you know <laughs> in a time when you know wasn't women weren't really it was like be a secretary or something you know kind of <laughs> and um so yeah that she um retired twice from teaching because <laughs> wow. you know they kept wanting to come back pull her back in so anyway that was uh hmm. I, have, I have a soft spot for okay. educators you know oh, wonderful and um so we'll we'll kind of um we should mention you're in yoga teacher training. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And absolutely. How um, does that tie in weave into all this? Even more so now. Um I'm in the early stages of a 200-hour uh, yoga teacher training course with some uh really amazing teachers uh, and um, you know we talk about connecting the dots um, many of the things that I've already discussed with you and some things that I haven't even you know mentioned I find through the work that we're doing physically on the mat but then also the materials that we get to be exposed to um, there's so much call it wisdom and it's also common sense when you slow down and think about what's being about what I'm reading because these are usually texts that I'm reading 
and I think about that, you know, and it's like, it just, why isn't this something that people have access to and really have time to massage it and be encouraged to embody it? Because uh, I think the world would be in a different state of uh, at least much less confusion and, you know, idiosyncratic hate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, I'm fortunate, I think, to uh, at this time be able to come to these teachings, both the physical and, and I'm already noticing some changes in my own physical uh, capabilities. Mm -hmm. I was demonstrating to somebody how sitting down and crossing my legs without pulling on them to bring them up mm -hmm. was not something I was doing before I started this. Yeah. Okay. And we started in, uh, we started in April. Okay. We started in April and already, you know, so, and we'll be going until December. Okay. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, one of my most recent assignments had to do with uh, getting into the yoga sutras. And uh, again, you know, it's like, wow. And so from my background as a pastor, I'm seeing alignment and relevance. I says, wait a minute. I got one of those red letter Bibles. Uh, it's a King James Bible, red letter, that the red letters are the words of Jesus, supposedly. And I'm like, uh, was Jesus a yogi? Because he's saying he's in the script in the in the portions of the scriptural passages. He's saying some things that are consistent with what's in the Yoga Sutras. Mm -hmm. So, um, I guess I'm finding uh, some synergy there mm -hmm. that uh, that makes sense to me as well. Mm -hmm. So, connecting the dots across the board. Yeah. Well, those lost years of Jesus, maybe it was in India. <laughs> and I, um, mm -hmm. it's interesting that I've noticed that. I mean, I'm far from a you know, theology scholar mm -hmm. or anything, but ever since undergrad, when I took a oh, world religions class, mm -hmm. you know, I've all, it's um, different religions have piqued my interest. And so, and having done a lot of study with the Yoga Sutras mm -hmm. and different yogic ancient texts, seeing these common threads, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Right, and in, right. in just about every religion, um, obviously, you know, I'm not a scholar, but mm. of the maybe dozen or so larger religions that I've delved into, there's those same common threats and yeah. and that's what uh, it's like timeless wisdom yes. and a, a spiritual development and really self-realization or enlightenment or raising consciousness and um, yeah I think it, 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 it all weaves together mm. in a really interesting tapestry when, when you kind of really come down to it um, well, I, I threw that in there because I, I want you to kind of get into a little bit of the framework of the program. And we uh, we were talking earlier, the um, 
program in July. It's a three-week series, and it involves contemplation, movement, and music, exploring and practice a self-realization mind mindset designed for educators at all levels, teachers, administrators, uh, school board members, union leaders, building people, just all across the board. And um, so let's let's kind of go into that. And if you want to, you know, touch on that ECP or ECPR hmm. uh, as well, because I figure that's going to show up in the program. <laughs> okay. At some level. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. This is uh, this is an opportunity to bring together a number of things that have been more or less circling around in in my mind about, you know, what if and, you know, would it be possible, you know, such and so. And, you know, I I should say that I'm very clear that um, how schools work are based on public schools in particular, spending public money. because my degree, my, my my doctoral degree is in educational policy and finance. Okay. I used to teach school finance at the university levels. And so I understand that um, policies are associated with laying down the rails of the track that we are supposed to run on. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you don't go off the track. Yeah. Okay. Because it has now been codified as legal. Uh, but in the meanwhile, uh, there are things that people who are on the train, that's on the track, can also be on the train, but not of the train. Mm. It's like it says in the Christian Bible, you know, we can be in the world, but not of the world. Yeah. Okay. And so we can have an impact on the lives of the children whose parents send them to us in schools. And literally, that's the way I always taught. Uh, Back in the Virgin Islands, um, they used to see me take the youngsters out onto the grass. And I mentioned Cahill Gabron. in that seventh grade class that I had in my homeroom, I would take them outside and they would reenact portions of Spirits Rebellious by Cahill Gabron. No, oh, wow. All right? Yeah. So um, there are ways to get youngsters in touch with themselves. I got to fast forward with this story. One of those students when I'm at the University of Michigan looking for a dissertation topic, I was going to write about um, school boards and I wanted to get data from the National School Board Association. So I went to DC and I go to the National School Board Association and I want to speak with the person who's in charge of the data. And the secretary of the person who's in charge of the data ended up being one of those students that was in my seventh grade in the Virgin Islands. Oh, wow. And so certainly I got to talk to the lady, and she said to me, look, I know what you want to do is get some data for your dissertation. She says, look, 
it's going to be complicated. It's going to be very complicated to the point where it may stall you getting your dissertation. She said, I suggest you find another topic, but you come back here after you get your doctorate degree and we'll work something out to either set up an institute at a college that you're working at or something like that so that there is a way for you to get the access you need for the data you want, mm -hmm. you know. So um, now I'm falling back into what this program is about. Mm -hmm. um, we never know how our own well-being and our own sense of self-realization will become translated and modeled in the lives of the young people and our colleagues that we're working with, mm -hmm. all right? And we can actually help change a school building. I mentioned the school that I took over and as principal after three people and was able to turn it around. Well, I didn't do anything miraculous except pay attention to what people needed, mm -hmm. not just in terms of the material stuff that kept the train on the track, but the personal real human stuff that they needed in order to be connected with each other, mm -hmm. in order to be connected with their students. I even was able to connect with the parents. Mm -hmm. So this was, uh, when I say I was able to connect, we established connections with the parents as a collective body mm -hmm. of educators. And we actually pulled parents in mm -hmm. to become partners. We wrote about it in school newsletters. We encouraged people to come and talk with us about what they thought and what they saw. And we took the time to listen and we took the time to translate that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, translate that into action mm -hmm. that they felt. And so um, in a program like this, what we're doing is allowing people to understand the power that they have even when on a train that's on the tracks, <laughs> okay? <laughs> yeah. All right? Yeah. Um, to be fair with for this conversation, you know, I'm still working on what to do, but I do know that we will be introduced, or we will, we will be introducing uh, things to think about mm -hmm. that are real. So we're in a pandemic, we're in a social justice upheaval, we are also in uh, othering to the nth degree. Mm -hmm. You know, people have been othered and othered and othered, and it's having an impact. There's isolation, there's um, distrust, there's... Uh, little uh, if any empathy that people are sensing from one another uh, and I can't imagine the depth to that the depth of that in a school setting that is virtual and uh, or hybrid or even face-to-face -face, mm -hmm. you know um, knowing that there's all kinds of possibilities that could be hurtful damaging or even terminating. Mm -hmm. So this is a way to let what's in people that can be of help come forward. Mm 
Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a, it's a peeling away of the onion of those things that are really not who we are. Mm-hmm. How do you peel away what's not you mm-hmm. and let what is you come forward? Everyone who's a teacher got into teaching because they wanted to do something that they felt was right. Had nothing to do with money because we know teachers don't get money, mm-hmm. okay? But what it had to do with something to make a difference, something to help generations that are coming up to be able to do things and be able to have life and you know live it in a way that brings some joy to them, their families, and others, you know. Mm-hmm. You know I think teachers are just an incredible collection of folks, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I've not seen a profession that has the kind of energy that educators who, when they're working together, and even though they're on the train, on the track, mm-hmm. there's something else happening at another level mm-hmm. that's beyond the train, that's beyond the tracks. Uh, so this program is looking to Encourage people, you know, be on the train. Help the train stay on the tracks, Mm -hmm. but also be who you are Mm -hmm. and be it 100%. And there sounds like a bit of an agent for change. It is. It is. It actually is. You know, I used to read all of those things. I used to write articles about, you know, being a change agent and all of that uh, you know, I, I, back when I was a professor, you know, I was writing articles and all that kind of stuff, but uh, I didn't quite uh, get translated. Okay. okay. Yeah, I, I didn't know then how to be on the train, on the tracks, mm-hmm. but be myself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, publishing articles so I could get tenure, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a whole nother story. Um I could tell you about an article that did get published, but when I got the galley prints, they had cut most of it out. So what well, do tell? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was an article about tracking and ability grouping. Okay. And it was called The Tracks of My Tears. Okay. And I opened up the article with a quote from a song by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. Take a good look at my face. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. see, my smile looks out of place. Mm. <laughs> you see, but you, if you look closer, it's easy to trace the tracks of my tears. Mm. So tracking and ability grouping seems to be, at that time, seemed to have been a hidden fact. Mm-hmm. And People were being tracked and ability grouped, you know, based on a test and, and testing that really didn't test what it claimed to be testing. Mm-hmm. So I wrote an article about that. Yeah. And um, that was uh, a challenge to a lot of things, you know, um, including racism. Mm-hmm. And some of the things I said, you know, as a young professor, I was a little bold and so forth. And yeah. they said, well, 
we're not saying it's not true, but uh, we're not going to be able to publish that in this article. So we're going to have to take that out. But if you don't want us to publish it, then, you know, we won't be able to publish it unless we take that out. And so, you know, wanting to get the thing published, you know, I agreed, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, you know, that, uh, that was a learning curve mm -hmm. that I had to deal with, you know, and that wasn't the only time it happened, but yeah, yeah, yeah in future articles, I, you know, made sure I stayed on the tracks. Yeah. In the train. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. So the the element of being silenced was probably didn't land well. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Yeah. No, it didn't. Yeah. No. And of course, I'm thinking, you know, I got two young kids. I got to, you know, I got to feed and take care of and so forth and so on. So, you know, all of that played into it. And this is known. And this is what's happening with our educators mm -hmm. as well. You know, um, it's almost like it's a shell game, you know, and it's it's unfair, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. But there are some things that can be done, you know. If I knew then what I knew now, I would be in a different place, I believe. Mm -hmm. But the universe knows what it's doing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm where I am because this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. W well said. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and that's, I think, why I'm drawn to you, because you do seem like that person that's in this flow of uh, just the, of life, of the universal energy, of following the path we're supposed to be on, given whatever, you know, mm -hmm. where you're, you seem to show up authentically with um, that curiosity of, and um, questioning and not you know, jaded by experiences, you know, mm -hmm. and some clearly messed up systems. Yes. But being that um, um, teacher, <laughs> you know, and, mm -hmm. and I think that's what's really cool about your approach to life. And and that's why I'm excited and wanted to get the, get this program going at the, at the studio. And um, it made me think of, of uh, we see so many, uh, school teachers come through yoga classes, yes. you know, yes. and um, and some and through our teacher training programs as well, mm -hmm. because there's that desire to bring yoga and mindfulness and these practices into well into their deepening in their own lives, but into classroom, yes, school settings. I've done work with um, in the yoga movement and Mighty Lotus, which combined they were both nonprofits taking yoga and mindfulness into schools and um, and I I wasn't on the um, I was more on the administrative end of it mm -hmm. and fundraising versus actually going into schools and teaching but um, you know I got to visit a few schools and sit in some classes and um, one thing that struck me as a like a challenge for our organization was you you talked about the train tracks and the train and I and I get that, but and there's, but every, it's like uh, every school can kind of conduct that train the way they see that you know so there was no there was no like 
systematic way to go into a school to present the program and to get it in the class. Every seemed like every administration was very unique. Exactly. And um, and I thought, I think it, that seems good. You know, like here's some guidelines that everybody's supposed to follow, mm -hmm. and then adapt it to the environment you're in. But uh, obviously, the results of our you know, you know, our school school systems have been really um, poor o overall, and um, uh, some success stories because of that autonomy, I guess. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, I didn't mean to go that direction. I was really looking at more of the level of stress and the yes. teachers are exp experiencing, and probably over the last ten years, seeing like they're just getting squeezed more and more and more, whether it's budgets or classroom size or you know just getting mm -hmm. not getting paid having to work at two or three jobs and mm -hmm. um so that's where it sounds like that um being able to have conversations yes. and experiential learning which i love the story of taking the kids out seventh graders in the grass and and doing experiential learning, you know, as what, um, you know, yoga teachers, that's what we are, experiential mm -hmm. educators. And um, that seems like just, is there power, there's a powerful need for that. Yeah, right and, and, and there's a very basic opportunity. Consistently, um, you know, one of the things I'm learning now in the uh, yoga teacher training, you know, uh, we have this thing, you know, it's called, you know, let's do some reps, you know, and what the reps are is first and foremost, find the middle, mm -hmm. find the middle. Then when you find the middle, loosen your grip, mm -hmm. you know, how you can, we were taught how you, you bend down and you pick up something heavy, you bend your knees and you grip it and so forth and so on. And you, you pick it up, you know, well, Think of gripping in that way because what happens sometimes when we're in situations and circumstances, our body gets tense. Mm -hmm. Even our mind gets tense. And we can focus on if I find the middle, when I find the middle, then loosen the grip. And once you uh, loosen or have loosed or relaxed the grip, mm -hmm. then breathe. Breathe into the space. And we've also been taught that there are five qualities of breath. And with those five qualities, you know, you breathe, you inhale, you exhale, and you make it even. Mm -hmm. You make it deep. And you literally allow yourself to expand in the space. Mm -hmm. that you're in that had you so tense and so tight and so off-center. Um, we have ways within us to actually work with all of the energy of the universe around us. You know, mm -hmm. Yes, we're in this material world, but if anyone seeks to embrace the idea that... Uh, uh, 
Tilhad de Shadan has, uh, if I pronounced his name correctly, you know, given us, you know, we're all human beings. Excuse me, we're all spiritual beings having human experiences. Mm-hmm. I mean, we learn to tap into that true self, you know, find the middle, loosen the grip, breathe into the space, be who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one of the schools I worked at was a charter school in Detroit. Uh, it's called Insolima which is the name of an Akan symbol, and it stands for Children of the Stars. Mm-hmm. You know, Neil deGrasse Tyson and a whole lot of other folks there, they tell us, all of us are stardust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are stardust, okay? That's where we come from. Yeah. All right? Uh, you know, even the Bible tells us, you know, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I get a kick out of Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> oh, please, yes. Oh, yeah, right, right. There's a lot of people who like to kick him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's all right. He's, again, he's, you know, it's 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 like you can be on the train, on the tracks, but be who you are, you know. And there, there will be a place for you, you know. We cannot live in fear. I have to encourage myself in that way, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I was just writing, I've told you about this art, this piece for this book I'm writing, you know, and I'm pretty near ending it, you know, and I'm writing and I'm focused on, oh my goodness, you know, should I say this, should I say that, you know, oh, maybe I shouldn't say that, or maybe this, that, and the other, or how would somebody read this, huh? <sighs> you know, uh, in that process, I'm always saying to myself, find the middle, mm-hmm. come on, dude, find the middle. Loosen your grip. Loosen your grip. Now breathe. Breathe. Mm-hmm. Use those five qualities. Mm-hmm. You know? And I can say, you know, I've gotten to a place where I think I finished. But it's a learning process. Mm-hmm. It really is a learning process to divest myself of these ingrained habits mm-hmm. of tightness and concern and anxiety and you talked about teachers with stress yes mm-hmm. absolutely there are articles written all over the place you can look in the chronicle of higher ed you can look in um, 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 education week okay all of these they're just articles everywhere talking about just how ridiculously i was going to swear yeah. <laughs> just how ridiculously unsound the environment is for teachers mm-hmm. yeah you know, and now parents are beginning to realize, oh, this ain't no easy road to hoe. Mm-hmm. And they trying to do it virtually. Yeah. And I'm trying to help. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. All right. And I, I, throughout the pandemic, I'm thinking of teachers who have their own children at home trying to help them in their school and then the teachers are also trying to help the kids that are in the school where the teacher works right that they're assigned to yeah okay oh are you kidding me mm-hmm. as a principal I, I i can't imagine um the things that i would find myself doing in order to assist those teachers mm-hmm. you know um and be able to call myself staying 
on the train, <laughs> on the tracks, okay? Right. You know, but I, I've read some things about, you know, school leaders who, who are doing that, mm-hmm. you know? They're able to stay on the trains, they're able to stay on the tracks, but they're also making sure that they're taking care and doing what they can for their teachers, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned the union leaders because, uh, you know, I've got some reaching out to do in, in, in that end as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, given that we're ho- hopefully coming out of the pandemic yes. before the end of the year, you know, whereas, as we're seeing people um, getting vaccinated, getting out, getting um, schools and, you know, some graduations are happening in person, some were out and outdoor, you mm-hmm. know, there's, there's a, a, a sense of pandemic starting to wind down. Yes. And, but this past year has really had to have just uh, impacted in teachers, all of us, but in particular, trying to deliver education and then and it's also like in so many other industries exposed weaknesses that and like you said like the parents are aware mm-hmm. more, more aware mm-hmm. now more than ever like oh my god this is like <laughs> <laughs> this is a problem mm-hmm. and um and then there's you know the tendency to some circles to throw money at it you know and then um but that often doesn't go to the root cause of the issues, you know. Um, and um, so I think what you're proposing to do is giving people a chance to pause and and give some thought to this. And and I know that you're the teacher in you mm-hmm. <laughs> is going to give them some good questions to con- contemplate. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I think that's like needed now more than ever. Yeah. And, and the directions to look in for the answers to those questions. Mm-hmm. And typically that direction is inward mm-hmm. to self yeah, and not a selfish sense of self, mm-hmm. yeah. but a unified sense of self that's connected to something much bigger than self. I got you a case in point in terms of throwing money. Mm-hmm. Um, so out of all of this stimulus stuff that was going to school, that law states, and I'm going to speak generally, that this money cannot be spent on salaries for teachers. <laughs> but it can be sent, spent on buttons and whistles, um, more machines, more computers, more technology, and this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the people who are supposed to make it work, uh, you know, you're going to have to keep your third job. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If it hasn't shut down. Okay. <laughs> right. 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 Well, that's where I my hope for the future is that we start to value educators, you know, and when we don't, you know, in that case in point, the whole salary thing, you know, um, you know, you're getting a master's degree, <laughs> and, and in Indiana, I mean, I don't want to 
pick apart our educational mm-hmm. system, but it's one of the weaker ones out there. And, and um, you know, just a couple years ago, they were had such a shortage of teachers, and it wasn't about, well, let's pay them more. It was about, let's lower the standards. So, like, if you're... Mm-hmm. If you don't have your, like, issuing, I don't know, some, like, stopgap <laughs> certificates yeah, to yeah, teach. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like temporary uh, assignment certificate or something like that. In Michigan, they did some of that as yeah. well. So that's, so hope, my hope, again, for the future is that we we recognize, okay, that's, that's not, that's like a weak Band-Aid <laughs> yes, yes. To, uh, to a situation that's that's not. That's, I mean, that's just not going to net a, a positive result. It's just going to check a box. So we need this many teachers. Okay, now we have this many. But yeah, this is this is part of the again ways of doing things mm-hmm. that is now so embedded that people's belief systems. And these are people who are in legislatures people who are on boards, uh, of course, legislatures are the policy makers uh, at the state level that run schools, uh, people in the Department of Education within states, and I used to work in the State Department of Education in Massachusetts, and, um, you know, it's, it's a bureaucratic, and that's not a dirty word, but it is a bureaucratic haven for crossing T's and dotting I's and filling out reports that show that things are on the tracks Mm -hmm. and on the train, Mm -hmm. okay? Now, being on the tracks and on the train may be maiming, injuring, getting rid of, people Mm -hmm. who are on the train that's on the tracks but that's okay Mm -hmm. it's the train and the tracks that matter Mm -hmm. not the people you know and this is not something that's done in an insidious way Mm -hmm. you know with purpose and intent no there's a belief in the fact that this is the right way to do schooling if we look at the history of schooling in this country we'll know that there's an agenda mm-hmm. that was laid down long, long ago. Mm-hmm. I found that out during my dissertation. I got to see actual, my professors used to tell me, you want first generation documents. You don't want reports or studies about the documents. You want the documents. Mm-hmm. That's what I got. Mm-hmm. And I got to see some of the big name people who laid down the foundations for the education system in this country. Mm-hmm. They had a different agenda and they were all basically industrialists. Fill the factories. Why do you think schools looked the way they looked? Yeah. Yep. And it treated human beings, children in schools as empty vessels that need to be needed to be filled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the whole blank slate idea. Mm-hmm. Children come to us as blank slates. Well, if it's such a blank slate, how did this child learn the language in his household? 
how did this child teach himself to walk? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is that a blank slate? I don't think a blank slate can do that. Anyways, well, well, change, change is coming for sure. Oh yeah, I mean, oh yeah, I mean, yeah. And and, and I'm I'm thinking, you know, this is this is a an evolving mm -hmm. situation that we're in. Okay, yeah. it's not a revolving situation; it's an evolving situation. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and you're right. The pandemic, the social justice system, the healthcare system, all of these things that are literally exposed now mm -hmm. to what it is that they can't not do mm -hmm. in the service of people All right. and in the best interest of people because mm -hmm. that's not what they were designed to do mm -hmm. yeah well it'll, it'll be interesting to say the least to see how things do evolve and mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. the cracks are there they're exposed they're not going to get patched and some of them maybe try to but they're they're it's it, it's ingrained yes you know and um and all of us the the flaws right it I does think. start with our thinking and our questioning mm -hmm. you know and the questions are to ourselves you know why am i doing this when such and such happens mm -hmm. we are taught to look outside of ourselves for problems and solutions when in fact everything that comes out of the wisdom systems tells us we need to look inside mm -hmm. and once we take the right appropriate next best step of looking inward we'll begin to see oh stuff is changing mm -hmm. yeah. you know. well it just made me think of the analogy of like you know Einstein coming up with formulas in his dream mm -hmm. inside mm -hmm. Mozart hearing a symphony inside <laughs> and, and all through history right mm -hmm. I mean there's genius within right. within right. us think of all of these athletes who tell us you know I saw myself doing this mm -hmm. okay yeah and then it was done and then it it actually happens. You know, mm -hmm. it's there's something that we're not told about the magnificent power that each of us has. You know, uh, the Bhagavad Gita, yes. yes. Uh, there's a line in there that says, every human is an island of excellence. Every human being is an island of excellence. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. What if that were acted on with policy in our education systems? No. We're acting on every child is a blank slate. Yeah. Yeah. And we got to retrofit them to become mm -hmm. viable consumers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No mas. No mas. <laughs> <laughs> be like Roberto Duran. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I get it. Well, I think I think what you're proposing and what is going to evolve into 
you know, the the three week series is just the big tip of the iceberg, I think, mm-hmm. for all the work that needs to be done, and and um, so I'm excited to see how that evolves and unfolds. And um, oh, I did want to talk about mm-hmm. a little on the uh, ECPR. Oh, sure. As we're um, getting into all this, because I don't, I know very little about that whole program. Okay. Well, um, shortly after I got here, I was introduced to this program. It's called Emotional CPR. Emotional CPR is a mental health initiative to equip people to consciously present themselves as accompanying or as persons who can accompany people who are in crisis. Mm -hmm. And this is usually trauma-based crisis. And this process equips you with the thinking processes that help you to make connections with people who are experiencing a crisis. Mm -hmm. And it begins by making a heart-to-heart connection. Now we go into what that means in in the training. And uh, in my first training, and I was writing about that in this piece I'm writing for this for this book that's being put together about ECPR. And in my first training, I recognized that the elements of what was being taught, what was being encouraged to know that I already had the capacity to do, those things were aligned with what I recall reading in the book by Cahil Gibran called The Prophet. Mm-hmm. And he has some passages in there that talks about what friendship is. Mm-hmm. You know, for instance, one of the lines is, you know, a friend is someone who is there for your needs and not for your emptiness. Mm-hmm. You know, and so a person in crisis needs someone to see them as whole, not broken, as equally human, as not judging them, but giving them the space to explore an unknown that they are in. Mm -hmm. That's a friend. You need somebody to accompany you as you do that. Mm -hmm. You need to make a connection. You need to know that somebody's looking at you and saying, look, we all have moments, okay? Mm -hmm. But right now, in this moment, I'm here with you. And I'm not leaving, you know, time permitting, you know, life is life, you know. But the, the, the essence of it is, is that we determine that we are purposefully and intentionally gonna be with someone. And help them rediscover their capacity to address the crisis that they're in 
in the best way possible according to what they have available to them in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And we then are seeking to partner with them as they regain their voice, mm -hmm. regain their sense of wholeness, and become more or less revitalized. Mm -hmm. You say, okay, 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 yeah, you know, the stuff is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Okay, but okay, I'm still here. Mm -hmm. Okay, you know, I mean, any small victory in the moment, you know, and I'm capitalizing this. You know, I'm, I'm putting this in a capsule. You know, and, and taking this, but because this is literally a a two day training, six hours a day. Or we we've been doing it virtually now, so we spread it out over a few more days and mm -hmm. stuff like that. You know, but it's even possible to make these kinds of connections virtually. Mm -hmm. And I did the training in live, and I've been training people face-to-face, -face, and now we're doing it virtually. Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, this is ongoing here in Indianapolis. Okay, I'm working with a school district. Oh. Next week I'll be doing uh, ECPR with a group of teachers. Oh, well, that's yeah. exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah school districts all around, all around the state, literally. Mm -hmm. you know? And young people. There's a youth ECPR. Mm -hmm. oh. yeah. One of the biggest aspects of ECPR is this notion of me CPR. Because guess what? Mm -hmm. I, too, have moments where I'm like, ah! <laughs> okay, yeah. all right? But yeah. I can also help myself help me. Mm -hmm. there are things that we can do you know <laughs> breathing is one of them just like you know the whole, the whole thing again okay find the middle yeah all right loosen the grip breathe into the space and breathe with a level of quality to mm -hmm. your breathing a level of intention with your breathing yeah yeah so. yeah that's some beautiful things and that um yeah, we all need it. <laughs> it it's everything that's out here that's talking about self-care, self-realization, self-revitalization, and revitalization, and accompanying people. In fact, I closed the article with the little quote, you know, saying, you know, this helps us to become more open to recognize that we are walking each other home, mm. Allah. Ram Das. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how we, we're just here walking each other home. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's a, um, a skill and a practice. Exactly. That, right? Exactly. And exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because we have have so many layers upon us that prohibits, inhibits, diminishes our capacity to do that mm -hmm. okay and part of it is being you know going back to uh old little madonna you know <laughs> we're in a material world yeah okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> she identified herself as a material girl right, right. Uh, it's, it's a cute song but uh the message there is telling all the answers are outside of us exactly <laughs> exactly. exactly which yeah, and know. this is and this is this is how 
This is how we become addicted to things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and we were we're the most addicted cohort in history, and and you know the most heavily armed. And I heard on the tell the truth the recent news blurb that there's like 300 million guns in America, and I was like, we are not responsible and mature enough to have that many guns. But um, you know. Um, that's another whole yes. conversation, but but it, it is outside ourselves, you know. And and the uh, I saw a, uh, a satirical piece of art um, that was challenging the idea of being afraid, you know, yes. all the messages of be afraid. So mm-hmm. it's like um, trying to unleash that, mm-hmm. you know, like that's how it's. Uh, um, creates delusion and distorted thinking and poor decisions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just conjured up a lot. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's what we're talking about, having connection and that experiential process with each other mm-hmm. challenges fears and um, dissolves them. And that um, the, uh, you know, I've done a lot of work in 12-step. Yes. And it's such a healing modality, but it's also about exposing the truth. Yes. What's the tr- tr- true nature, you know, and what was um, ego, false sense of self that that uh, caused decisions or choices and and how that affects the stories we tell ourselves. Yes. And, and uh, timeless part of the human condition and um but my senses were evolving you know as mm-hmm. in in our collective consciousness where we we are more aware of some of these truths that um and we need catalysts like yourself that can you know you're such a gifted public speaker and you have this this uh wisdom and talent for uh, delivering some powerful teachings and that uh, knowing that just from you did an overview sort of PowerPoint with with me and Neil of some of the ideas and stuff you, that you've been you know teaching out there and I'm like mm-hmm. oh this is like really powerful powerful teaching mm-hmm. so I'm uh, excited to see that you know take on a life of its own for sure um, and that whole um, I mean, we could go on for a while, but <laughs> philosophically and, and energetically and and how that thing you quoted earlier were, you know, um, spiritual beings having a human experience. Yes. I think, I think about the essence of that, the truth in that is spiritual beings are beyond race, gender, ethnicity and that that's the core of our true self then the ego identification of other othering which you mentioned earlier is such a delusion and it's so far from the real spiritual truth of our our innate nature right and 
but we were in the human having this human experience to figure out how to navigate that yeah. and uh, how we do that you know and like how we help each other do that you know like how we live today determines how we tomorrow's going to look like exactly. <laughs> all right exactly so i think like um yeah what i've heard you share here today and from other conversations we've had you know that's there's work to be done and there's i think it's interesting just finding out today your experience from you know like track with breathing mm -hmm. and martial arts you know kung fu with energy and then how fast forward to today yoga mm -hmm. breathing finding the middle Mm -hmm. balance mm -hmm. is all about settling energy being more present with an awareness of what you can put out there right and that flow of the universe or that conscious mm -hmm. universal consciousness of that um tapping into the wisdom of the ancestors i mean there's a lot in there right absolutely we have there's been an investment made in each of us by the universe. Mm -hmm. And that investment is to navigate this dimension of existence while maintaining a presence in the spirit world of existence, in the material world of existence, and the material world, and the spiritual world, not back and forth simultaneously, mm -hmm. both and. See, we're supposed to have a non-dual existence, but on this material side, what we've done is set up nothing but dualistic approaches to being and living. Mm -hmm. And it's become habit. And addictive. Mm -hmm. And so any invitations to pay attention to the spiritual side is like, oh, I think I better leave that alone. I don't know anything about that. Mm -hmm. Look inside. What do I want to do that for? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so, um, it's, it's, you spoke about the collective consciousness, right? Well, the collective consciousness can only be enhanced when individual consciousness is enhanced. Mm -hmm. you know, when we start thinking better, clearer, and position ourselves to avoid um, what they call in the yoga sutras avidya mm -hmm. which is misperception because we are constantly operating through misperceptions misperceptions about other people misperceptions about ourselves misperception about events that are happening in the natural world and in the physical material world, mm -hmm. you know? 
okay, that just fell off the shelf. Oh, there's a ghost in here. That's <laughs> <laughs> gravity, man. That's <laughs> the spiral gravity. That's all. And it was hanging off the shelf, okay? And we bumped it. And guess what? Okay? That, yeah. you know, force, you know, there's a formula for that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Um, we've got to become practitioners of both mm-hmm. spiritual being having human experience you know we don't get taught that mm-hmm. we don't get taught that some people die having no clue mm-hmm. until the material existence is over mm-hmm. you know? yeah and because I'm not conscious of what happens when that happens, I can't tell you, <laughs> okay? But um, I know there's no need for dualistic ways of doing things mm-hmm. yeah. in seeing things, okay? Uh, but we are getting closer. Mm-hmm. We are, you know, we are getting closer and learning how to be in the world, but not of the world. Mm-hmm. And with educators, you know, we're going to be learning how to be on the track, in the train, <laughs> but be who we are. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's, uh, that's a beautiful mantra. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> we should probably kind of wrap it up there because that was, that was very, um, it's just opened a nice, deep little, thought of stream of thought but um Mm -hmm. that uh i think we'll have to have you on here again (laughs) because there's a lot of topics we touched on and skirted around that i think we could definitely go deeper into um and you know as the program evolves and as the the yoga teaching evolves and as the definitely the coming out of pandemic evolves <laughs> there's there's just a lot a lot going on that i think now now more than ever we need to be paying attention and like you shared with that school turnaround you started noticing paying attention to what people needed um and listening and yeah. listening to people yeah you know, really listen. And this is something that ECPR does to encourages us to do, you know, listen. You know, there's a there's a Chinese symbol that is used. It's called ting. And it's called whole body listening. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you listen with your ears, but you also listen with your eyes. You observe. You also listen with your heart. You listen with your focus. You listen with a sense of respect. These are aspects of listening that we sometimes don't find ourselves using. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's 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 that alone is very powerful. <laughs> so, um, wow. Well, it's it's been a pleasure. It's, I was, and uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, any other? Closing thoughts? I just look forward to uh, 
delivering this program in mm. the best way possible for the educators that will show up. Yeah, I really am. That's I. I used to like to watch Star Trek, you know, and say that's that's my prime directive. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, until next time, thank you so much. Peace and blessings, my brother. Peace and blessings. Thank you for listening to The Yoga Voice, brought to you by City Yoga School of Yoga and Health, where we are committed to exploring how yoga inspires and transforms. Find out more at www.cityyoga.biz. That's C-I-T-Y-O-G-A dot biz. Special thanks to our producer, Brian Sims, for his audio expertise.